The Spin-Off Podcast Network. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Tēnā koutou katoa, ko Simon Day takuingua. I am the commercial editorial director at The Spin-Off and the host of the bonus episodes of When the Facts Change. This month's episode is being recorded during Fraud Awareness Week, an initiative that has never been more important after NetSafe reported a 23% rise in cyber fraud over the last quarter. My guest is Neil Hallett, the New Zealand Operations Manager for ID Care, Australia and New Zealand's National Identity and Cyber Support Service. ID Care offers victims a trained case management officer to guide them through the practical steps for what they need to do to respond to the fraud. The charity was formed to address a critical support gap for victims of identity and cyber fraud. Kiwi Bank is a key partner of ID Care and the bank refers its customers who have been victims of cybercrime to the charity's support services. The partnership is part of the bank's commitment to support any of its clients who fall victim to fraud to find the best possible outcome during an uncertain and turbulent time in their lives. Prior to joining ID Care, Neil worked for the New Zealand Police for 35 years. For the last four years of his police career, he was posted to the United States where he worked in national security and transnational crime intelligence and operations. The stories from his work with victims of cyber fraud are heartbreaking visions into the sophisticated world of internet crime. I spoke to Neil about why COVID-19 has created fertile ground for cybercrime, what makes people vulnerable to scams, and what you need to do to protect yourself. Kia ora, Neil. Thank you for joining When the Facts Change. Kia ora, Simon. So over the last two years, we've seen a significant increase in scams and cyber fraud. Why has COVID-19 created such a fertile environment for this to happen? Well, COVID-19 is certainly one of the factors, uh, and I'll talk about that first, but there are other factors as well. If we look at COVID-19, particularly as it relates to New Zealand, we're one of the last countries that's um, still using lockdowns as a, as a way of curtailing the virus. So uh, all eyes have been on us. If you're a, if you're a scammer working, working your trade, uh, you are going to look for a Western country and a Western country that is still uh, locked down is just, just perfect to uh, ply your trade in. There are other reasons why we've seen such a marked increase. And that, uh, I would say, is quite obviously everybody now has a, a encouragement to go online and, and, and operate their business online. And with that comes risks. And if you overlay that with a, with a lack of training or a lack of understanding of, of just what you're risking when you're operating online. It is, as I say, a perfect storm. Because I like to think of myself as still relatively young, but I'm already starting to feel technology outpace me and you know I'm losing that literacy that I thought I used to have. 
How much of a problem is that, that lack of education and um, training around how to recognise and respond to uh, cyber fraud? Uh, I think it's a, a real factor. Um, and there are things like you can't teach an old dog new tricks and whether or not uh, people are prepared to uh, take time out to fully understand what they're doing. And we know from looking at... Uh, the psychology of scams that um, that people often think that they're too busy or haven't got enough time to look at things to protect yourself, such as two-factor authentication or, um, you know, updating your systems, etc. So I think that in the, in the speed of the world today, uh, it's very easy to, you're told to do something so you get on and do it rather than to press the pause button and uh, ask yourself if, if what you're doing is a safe thing to do. Because the consequences can be catastrophic, right? Yes, certainly. And, um, you know, if, if you've exposed your credentials online, for example, they're there in perpetuity. And sadly, if, if you have fallen for a scam, uh, you become much more of a target to fall for another scam. And we do know uh, from what we see on the dark net that um, scammers will trade uh, identities of of people that have previously, they've previously been successfully able to scam. An example of that would be uh, if you've fallen for a romance scam or an investment scam, there are other groups of scammers that will contact you and tell you that they're actually a law firm. And we know that you've lost a lot of money and if you uh, we're going to take a class action against uh, this Group and if you are prepared to sign on and pay a small amount of money, um, yeah, we'll join you to the class action. So that's um, uh, one way in which scammers, I guess, use those suckers' lists and and keep inflicting pain on our victims. So in your work at ID Care, how do you support um, victims of cyber fraud when something like that happens? Yes, so we're either referred to by one of our um, subscriber organisations, and we've got several in New Zealand, um, or that people find us online at our, in our website and they'll contact us. Oh, they can speak to us anonymously. They don't have to give their details. And they, they can talk through with one of our experienced counsellors what has happened to them. And if it's a scam they've fallen for, it may be the first time uh, that, that they've told somebody or the first time that they've told somebody that doesn't roll their eyes and look at them and say, how could you be so stupid? So uh, we don't judge, as they say. Uh, we will listen fully to what's happened and, and the damage it's caused. And once we've done that, uh, so done the uh, discovery, uh, we will look at, how to protect the the things you haven't lost already so if if you've if you've got bank accounts that have been accessed we'll look to secure those and secure any of the others that haven't been accessed um, we'll give advice generally depending on the circumstances and then uh, we will also help with the recovery process so how to 
how to get back to where you were before um, you had your identity stolen, for example. And that is a, a, a painful and traumatic process, as you can understand. If you, if you can picture yourself as a victim and, and somebody's stolen your identity, they might have racked up $10,000, $30,000 worth of debts around the place and you, you're re-victimised every time you have to speak to a retailer or a, or a financial institution and convince them uh, that it wasn't you that incurred that debt. That must have impact beyond just the financial one as well. That you know causes a huge amount of stress and and issues for mental health. Absolutely, and and the people we deal with uh, experience some some pretty dark thoughts at times. Uh, and yeah, they the the guilt associated with falling for let's say a romance scam is is immense. And the scammers, their most fertile ground is to, is to is to target people that are in some kind of crisis, uh, be it a, a recent death or a recent uh, break in a relationship. So, so they really are kicking people when they are down uh, and and taking them to pretty dark places. How are these criminals able to find? Uh people who are vulnerable in those ways? Is it through exploration of their social media profiles or is it just a scattergun approach hoping that they um, find someone that is, uh, that is vulnerable? Uh, it's a mixture. If They certainly find Facebook uh, is a very fertile ground and other social media pra- uh, platforms. And if your settings are such that uh, the whole world can see you, uh, then yes, and all all somebody has to do is start looking at your posts, see that something traumatic has happened, and then pounce. Or they'll, um, you know, it might be, for example, that you uh, uh, you have a, a social media page where you talk about something you're passionate for, be it art or or a bridge, for example, online bridge or something like that. Some some hook. Uh, and, and lo and behold, the scammer will also be uh, very, very interested in that. If it's artwork, they'll be very complimentary of, of, of what you've got online and uh, they'll then very quickly uh, get you off that social media platform onto another um, platform, a private chat platform, and of which there are, of course, many, uh, and they will uh, start to apply their trade, start to uh, get you emotionally attached before they can they can then strike and um, try and get money out of you. So this week, actually, a number of colleagues have received um, texts about deliveries stuck at the border behind a, a customs duty, which is still pending. And then yes. last year, yep. of course, we saw the, the DHL text scam happen at a similar time yep. as Christmas approached. What are the most yes. prevalent scams you're seeing at the moment and how have those techniques changed and become more sophisticated over the years? Well, uh, the, the, the scams you spoke about uh, uh, can be bracketed into a, uh, into a attack which is known as the flu bot, uh, which, which people could, uh, could query online. But, but those... Uh, those attacks start as you've have you as you've described uh, with a message saying that there's duty to pay or there's you've got a, a 
the courier package that's that's underpaid. Uh, and if you click on this link, you can make arrangements to pay it. And um, of course, once you click on the link, you've really gone down the rabbit hole. Uh, what makes Flubot so uh, bad uh, is that if you've done it on a Android device, uh, they will then have access uh, to your contacts and they will then send uh, similar messages to all of your contacts, um, hence the name Flubot. So it, it can spread. And we know from uh, from uh, DIA stats that, that that has impacted well over 100,000 people in New Zealand. Wow. So you're not, you're not alone. And it's as soon as you click on that link that's been text to you that you're, you're, in, that you're in trouble? Yes, yes, that, that gives the crooks access. Other things we're seeing, uh, uh, remote access scams uh, come in all shapes and sizes, but it, and the way they will get to you comes in various ways. For example, a phone call saying um, you're from an antivirus company or a, or a software company and we... We can tell uh, that you're having problems with your laptop, uh, for example, uh, and they will convince you uh, that that you need to provide remote access to them so they can help um, unscramble your computer or, or debug your computer. And of course, once once you've clicked on the uh, allow access button, uh, they're in, uh, and, you know, they're looking for primarily financial things, but also credentials. Most people have at some stage have emailed their passport photo or their driver's licence or anything like that. So they will exploit anything on that. Um, if there's photos on there, um, depending on the nature of the photos, uh, they, may, they may start to exploit those as well. So we the the, the flu bot scam you know sort of lives at the very uh, scattergun uh, end of the spectrum. You know you talked mm. you talked about the romance scam that plays on sort of individuals' vulnerabilities. These just aren't just sophisticated um, technological crimes. They're very uh, skilled psychological criminals, right? Absolutely. And if if you take time to talk to the victims. They they follow a script uh, pretty much where they you know they they very quickly develop a trust between you and them uh, and they'll then very quickly profess a, a real attraction uh, to you. Um, they might uh, send you flowers. They might uh, send you small gifts. Uh, they will they will certainly make you feel like you're their number one sweetheart and. Uh, yeah, it's if you speak to people that have fallen for these things, men and women, uh, they are completely devastated, and uh, I can completely understand why. Has the social isolation that's come with COVID nineteen made people more uh, vulnerable to these types of psychological scams? Certainly, it has, and and social isolation generally. Uh, what our stats show for our Australian. Uh, clients is that the the more isolated you are, the the more isolated you live, uh, and we know Australia is a, is a rather large country. Uh, the more chance you have of falling for uh, a scam, 
and that there'd be many reasons around that. Um, you know, the the trying to uh, trying to start a relationship if you're living in a remote place can be extremely hard. Uh, so you do uh, look to um, internet dating sites, etc. Um, perhaps people who live uh, in isolated communities are a bit more trusting. That's certainly a, a possibility. Uh, and they don't have ready access to uh, advice and to, you know, if you are isolated, you haven't necessarily uh, got got someone over the back fence. You can talk about the wonderful person you've met online and uh, have started a relationship with. One of the things we found in our stats is if you tell somebody about whatever it is that you are involved in online, if you tell a friend about it, you've got a 50% chance of, of getting out of it unscathed. It, uh, and the scammers know this, and what they will do is they will encourage you not to tell anyone, not to tell anyone. And that's one of the signs of, uh, of the, the relationship you have being a scam one, and there are many others. That's really fascinating. What other good advice do you have for people uh, in terms of being aware of these things happening and, and responding to them? I guess the number one thing is that if you've met the person online, no matter how, you should immediately be suspicious. And then when they start doing things like encouraging you off the current platform you're on, onto uh, a, another chat site that they say they can't or they don't have uh, video access, so you're not you're not seeing the person face to face. If you've arranged, you know, if the person says they're in in New Zealand, for example, if or if they if you make arrangements to meet them and those arrangements fall through, uh, it's been a bit different in COVID, but often um, with these overseas scammers, I mean the. The, the normal script is you meet someone online, they're, they're working on an oil rig or they're an engineer in the Middle East or they're in the military uh, or they're a doctor working working offshore and, and they're, they're coming home and lo and behold, uh, they will come home but they will, or they will say they're coming home uh, but they will, you know, they will have an issue with their visa or, you know, they can't leave because they've got sick. Um, and there will be excuse after excuse as to why the person can't come to New Zealand and also why you need to send them more money. And in terms of strange text messages and emails, best advice is never click on the link? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you you can be too cautious, but as a general rule of thumb, if, if you don't know the number of the person who's ringing you, let them leave a message. Don't ring it back. Uh, if they don't leave a message, because there are scams around that where you where you may be paying a lot of money uh, for the phone call, uh, and same with an email. Uh, if if in your email inbox you see something you're not expecting, uh, then then simply delete it. Uh, if it's important, if it's from a friend or the family, they will get in touch with you. They will they will send it through a normal channel. But yeah, sadly, be suspicious. When the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. 
And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's Kiwi Bank economist Sabrina Delgado on the current grim status of the global and local economy. Globally, economic output and activity is slowing. Higher interest rates are weighing heavily on demand and crushing activity. It's not pretty, but it's what's needed to bring down inflation. Here in Aotearoa, the outlook is soft at best. Our impressive surge in net migration helps lift activity, but still the economy is weakening under the weight of the Reserve Bank and a softening global backdrop. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Sabrina and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. At Z, we're all about moving with the times. And now it's time to be part of the climate change solution and move on from fossil fuels. As a company providing fuel to people all over the country, we also know we have a real opportunity to lead that change. We're committed to keeping Aotearoa moving by providing the right energy for everyone. We believe that innovation in fuel and how it's used can make a huge difference to our planet. Find out more at z.co.nz. And, you know, we have this common perception of who are victims of these attacks. You know, I, I, I think of my grandmother's vulnerability, uh, for example, at the same time as she tries to use technology to communicate and to interact with the world, I do see her as someone susceptible to these. But the victims and the vulnerable people are much wider than that, right? Absolutely. We're, look, we're all um, hardwired to fall for scams. Um, looked at, um, you know, f- from a historic perspective, um, you know, humans, uh, our first instinct is to cooperate. You know, we, we couldn't hunt a woolly mammoth on our own, we had to, you know, we had to band together and cooperate. Um, so we're all hardwired, and those stereotypes that it's only only older people or, or less educated people that fall for it are completely wrong. Um, you know, there are other way, other things that make you more vulnerable, being overconfident in your abilities, um, and by the same token, I think being underconfident, but. Um, you know, people, as I say, are very busy. Uh, you know, they've got busy, life's got a whole lot busier and, and your defences as a result are perhaps uh, not as high as they should be. Often people see, you know, updating your your phone to the latest operating system as just a hassle so you don't do it and that that creates the vulnerability. So the device uh, suggestions to update and on my computer, the the prompts to update my iOS is a, a good ways to protect myself against these scams. Absolutely, and if you've got an antivirus, which everybody should have on your devices, yeah, make sure they're up to date and that that uh, if they've expired, that your coverage hasn't expired. Uh, I don't think you can be overprotected, but you can certainly be underprotected. 
And we were talking about the way uh, these criminals target, um, you know, people's vulnerability, like you know, a loss in the family or something similar. It sounds like they use similar techniques to target different demographics as well, like uh, investment scams for young professionals and things like that. Yes, the investment scams are interesting. And again, they're across the board. Uh, I've been dealing with one recently, a, a bloke in his 20s who's saving for a house, so he... Um, he thought he'd get into the NFTs, the non-fungible tokens, uh, and uh, to buy these, he had to go through a crypto exchange. So a lot more sophisticated than than most of us would uh, look to do in terms of an investment. But sure enough, um, he's lost the deposit he'd saved for his house and uh, the chances of getting it back are extremely slim. So you must be working with people dealing with some pretty heartbreaking circumstances. What is a good outcome when ID care works uh, with these victims? Okay, a, a good outcome for me would be that the person uh, uh, retains or maintains some confidence in themselves that 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 they are not stupid. That 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 what they did wasn't necessarily uh, reckless. Uh, it was it was part of an extremely complex scam. A good outcome would also be that uh, they've notified uh, their bank or, their, or or whoever needs to to be notified to shore up uh, other credentials or other uh, investments they have that they've done that early and that the the losses have been minimal. Um, and then they, then I think to learn from your mistakes uh, and make sure that uh, you have um, things like uh, credit freezes in place through the credit reporting agencies or other other means by which you can monitor if your identity is being abused or misused. So identity theft is something you know that I very much associate with Hollywood movies and and stuff like that. What does it actually mean? So identity theft is still one of the most common uh, forms of frauds that we deal with. And uh, at its most basic, it might be somebody going through your letterbox and, and, and getting sufficient information about you to, to, to then convince a financial institution or a retail outlet uh, that you are that person and, and obtain credit. Um, I mean, the, the New Zealand driver's licence is the most misused document uh, that, that, that we see, uh, and there are many ways in which people can get hold of fictitious driver's licences or genuine driver's licences and then change the, change the photo. Or if you're doing the transaction online, it doesn't matter what the photo is. At the more extreme end, what, what, what does identity theft look like and what are some of the consequences? Is this, you know, people spending someone else's savings? Yes. Um, I mean, one ex- example that, that pops to mind is a lady who was applying for a mortgage uh, to, to buy her first house um, and she found out she had about $30,000 worth of debts in her name, none of them being hers. Um, she spent the next three months 
as I say, going through the traumatic process of convincing each of the creditors that it wasn't her who incurred the debts. By the time she'd got back to the point where she was able to get a mortgage, uh, house prices had gone up so much she's she's missed the boat or if she's on the boat, it's it's a lot smaller boat than what she would have been on. So that that's a, a an example, whether that's an extreme example, I'm sure it is to her. How much of this crime is going unreported? Because the same um, human nature that makes us vulnerable to this also probably makes us not want to talk about if we've been the victim of, of one of these crimes because there is a lot of shame and embarrassment associated with it. Absolutely. We know from the Ministry of Justice victim survey uh, from last year that less than 7% of cyber crimes and frauds are reported to police. So any figures that you see as to the amount of, of uh, cyber crimes, frauds, uh, that are occurring, you really have to take with a grain of salt. Uh, there is no definitive uh, voice that can uh, hand on heart say what it's costing the country. The, the people that I speak to that I respect who have a, a handle on what's going on have estimated that the losses to New Zealand could be as high as $500 million a year. Uh, but we just don't know because we don't have uh, good enough reporting mechanisms, and we're not joined up and up enough um, to get a real handle on what's happening. That feels like it's much more than just uh, someone with a computer in another country targeting random New Zealanders. It feels like a very sophisticated criminal act. Ab- absolutely, and uh, these these sweatshops that are set up. Uh, offshore to to conduct these scams are, are set up in a very professional way. Uh, if you look online, uh, there was a there was one busted in India uh, relatively recently, and and yeah, it looked like your average call centre. And uh, you know, yeah, it's not these are not uh, people in their basement. Uh, you know. Um, just taking advantage of of one person, they these uh, the scammers will have fifteen or twenty people on their books. They are expected to uh, to return uh, the owner of the company a certain dividend every week. They get bonuses. Um, it, it's no different than selling insurance or or something like that. They are very sophisticated. So is organised crime the right word to use for this behaviour? Absolutely, absolutely. And if you looked at it clinically, it would be the type of organised crime that you want to get involved in. You're not having to move. Uh, if you compare it to to the illicit drug trade, you're not moving uh, you know, physical drugs across borders. You're... Um, you know, you're moving currency, and and it can move. You know, it can move in milliseconds. Uh, your chances of getting caught are infinitesimal uh, compared to drug dealers, and we know that we're getting less than ten percent of those, um, because uh, law enforcement doesn't focus as much as I think it should focus uh, on. On cybercrime generally, it's just it's often seen as a crime where it's 
it's a fall in their money is has been parted. Um, the emotional cost that you talked about earlier, uh, the mental health costs, none of those have ever been uh, assessed, but I suspect they're very high. Because the things we've talked about today, one thing we haven't talked about is you know, prosecution or, or restitution against uh, mm. the, the, the criminal themselves. It seems like that's something that's very, very hard to do. It's very hard but not impossible. And, uh, yeah, I, I preach to whoever's prepared to listen about how if we were better, if we were better set up in New Zealand to, uh, to take reports, if there, was a, if there was a central agency that took the reports from all of the reporting agencies, of which there are many, uh, if there was decent uh, media around uh, what's happening, if you knew where to go, if something was happening, um, we could not only get a better idea of, of, of the cost to the country, but we could also start targeting the people that are doing the offending to good effect. There are international law enforcement networks uh, that are set up to handle these these, this kind of crime, but we need to uh, we need to front foot it a lot more than we are at the moment. On the very front line, then, sort of, because for individuals, the idea of wor- working with Interpol to to take down the the scammer that's um, using their identity or uh, stolen their credit card information seems uh, really really tough. How do we stop that happening? What are the really basic ways? Um, and the way that I use my technology and my internet, uh, that I can best prevent myself from being vulnerable to this. Be suspicious. Talk to somebody. If 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 you've had an offer via a social media platform or via a phone call, or still happens a letter in the mail uh, that tells you a long lost relative is is. Is, wants to has died and you've inherited some money. Be suspicious. It, if it sounds too good to be true, it generally is. Uh, if you if you're tempted, then speak to somebody about it. If if I'm sure that your that your bank or that your financial advisor or citizens advice or anybody, if you spoke to them about the scenario that had been presented to you, uh, they would have some advice around uh, not uh, not falling for the for the particular uh, scam. You know, if something's being promoted by a celebrity, for example, or if it's if apparently being promoted by a celebrity, you know that that is one of the. Uh, um, one of the first signs that you're that you're falling for a scam, uh, because you know if there's uh, and I'm not going to mention names, but but several uh, high-profile New Zealanders have apparently endorsed investment scams, and of course they know nothing about them. Uh, it's just their names have been used for all the wrong reasons. What about basic password uh, protocols that? I'm guessing most New Zealanders aren't probably following. Yes, certainly. Um, if you haven't got two-factor authentication on your devices, uh, you need to look uh, and see what that is and make sure you get it in. But, um, you know, the, the, the 
financial institutions are doing more and more in this space to make it harder for you to to fall for um, fall for these scams. But um, you also need to, as I say, to update your device. Look at look at ways you can shore up your credentials, shore up your um, your bank details, etc. I mean, be careful what you store in your on your email, for example. If you've if you've had to send uh, a, a, a copy of your passport off in an email, then 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 delete it. Be very very suspicious if you're asked by somebody, uh, no matter who they say they are, to send those things, such as your passport or your driver's license. And what sort of role do we have in, in looking after members of our whānau who we might know are a little bit more vulnerable to these types of things? Like my grandma again, for example, she's yeah. just been set, we've just set her up playing online bridge and she's loving it, yes. but that yes. comes with some responsibility for us having done that, right? Yes, absolutely, and that's a really good example. So my advice to her would be that if... Um, if, if you start chatting with someone online and they encourage you off onto another platform, uh, be very, very suspicious. Just tell the person that you'll, you'll speak to them on this platform, but that's it. And as soon as there's uh, any hint of um, uh, the person trying to turn it into a, any form of relationship, uh, that she should move off that, uh, off that site. Uh, she shouldn't use a real name. I mean, most of those sites, you can use a nickname. Uh, protect yourself that way. If you've got an email address, don't have it as your name. Uh, you know, th- think of another, get another email address to, to, to use when you're, when you're playing those sites because they, they do have their purposes, but you just have to be cautious. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me today, Neil, is to invest what is actually a really small amount of time up front in protecting yourself from what can become a really long, ongoing personal disaster in the future. Absolutely. And there is no shortage of advice uh, on our website, for example, www.idcare.org, uh, but a multitude of other reputable websites will give you tips, uh, give you advice. For your grandmother, you could look at some of those sites and and print off something that, that you thought might be relevant and, and give it to her and ask her to read it. You know, the most... Most sites, including ours, have advice around investment scams, romance scams, how to protect yourself on social media. So that, you know, you, you need to, uh, an expression I heard the other day, rather than a straw man approach, take a steel man approach. Become more knowledgeable. And I think that's something that's been really inspiring for me just in the last uh, 30 minutes of our conversation is I think I've, you know, I've been thinking about some of my behaviour that's probably been a bit too relaxed in the past and I've probably dodged a few bullets. And, you know, for all the discussions about my grandma, I think there's a lot of very easy steps that I, mm. I should be taking as well to, to protect myself and my family. Absolutely. I'm really, really grateful for your time today, Neil. It was very eye-opening and uh, I hope all the listeners uh, are inspired to to go out there and look after their online uh, selves just a little bit better. Okay, yeah, look, uh, it's a pleasure. And yes, I'd, I'd encourage anyone who's who's got any questions to do some research. 
They can ring us uh, if they have questions. We have an 0800 number that, um, that you can find online, which I can pass as well, which is 121068. Um, so we will often get calls from from sons and daughters of or, or parents of, of people uh, asking about things that, that their friends and relatives are in, engaged in. And often because the, the victims themselves don't think they're victims, we have been involved in conversations uh, being able to, uh, to show quite quickly that, that they are involved in, for example, a romance scam. And uh, one of the simplest ways to, to, to detect whether the photo you've been sent uh, is a genuine photo of someone that's, that, that has fallen for you is to do what's called a reverse image search. Uh, and you can Google how to do that or you can you can search how to do that. But a, a reverse image search on the person that you've started a relationship with uh, may in fact identify that person as being a, uh, involved in other scams or the, the image of that person. And that's the, that's the hard thing to do is to separate the, the photo, which isn't of the person that you've been talking to, uh, from the person you've been talking to. So it's all about being, be suspicious, be cautious, and uh, seek help as soon as you think uh, anything's yeah, gone wrong. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining When the Facts Change today, Neil. I really appreciate your time and advice, and I think it's been really, really valuable. My pleasure, Simon. Kakite Cheers. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how Kiwi Bank are making Kiwi better off. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin Off Podcast Network.